You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Intercepted. I'm Justice Mosqueda here for Acme Packing Company, and I'm joined here by Brad Spielberger. Say what's up to people, Brad. How's it going? How's it going? How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing better than you, I think, you know, considering <laughs> our, our team's records. Um, Chicago Bears fan, you know, you have a really interesting background. You graduated from Vanderbilt, uh, Tulane Law. Why, why are you working in sports, bud? Seems like the plan. We'll get into it maybe, but uh, it was all by design. So you, you were a uh, legal intern for the Minnesota. I don't want you breaking, you know, an NDA or anything like that. But what does a legal intern entail? Because that's something that I've realized is a huge part of this. Like I worked in the XFL. I, re- I, I didn't realize really how big like the corporate structure and like the uh, maybe not even necessarily corporate, but like executive structure is in sports. That was something that like they had no idea about really. Like I understood it existed. But I didn't see it like firsthand until then. What does a legal intern do for the Minnesota Vikings? So definitely way less interesting than the stuff you were doing. I can guarantee that. But uh, unfortunately, like I already was interested in the cap and contracts and the football aspect. But it was it was the pure like business side. Um, and most buildings, like it's two entirely different floors in Minnesota. Like you don't even see each other. Um, you know, so just dealing with like sponsorships and um, various different agreements and stuff like that. So nothing super exciting. But they were cool enough that. If I snuck downstairs after work, they would maybe give me a couple side projects and things to work on. So that was cool. That's always kind of an interesting thing, too, because a lot of these people who move up in the corporate structure of the NFL aren't football people, frankly. Like, they, they re- really are kind of in charge of that type of stuff. I remember, if I remember this right, like, Sashi Brown's, like, big claim to fame in Jacksonville was, like, we got corporate sponsors so that we could rebuild a video board. Like it's things like that, that like you really don't think about until, you know, the Packers are, you know, they, they sell stock and everyone's making fun of them because they're fundraising to build a new video board and they're working on the concourses and stuff like that. But there's, yeah, there's a whole lot of people who work in uh, NFL, you know, offices that are not just, you know, the coaches, the players, the front office, you know, it's a lot. There's of a, uh, a great bears conspiracy theory that has been working in the Packers favor for a long time, but essentially the theory is that the president, Ted Phillips, who, has basically been there for the last like 20 years. So a couple good teams, but really just like mostly bad. Uh, and, and he's not a football guy, but the, the rumor is like he helped them get Soldier Field. And so therefore he has a job for life. And every time he does an interview, you can tell he kind of has no idea what he's talking about, but you know, he might just be locked in for good. Um, here, here's a funny executive story. I have a, I have a buddy who works in venture capital, but like in sports, if that makes any sense. No. He, he works in San Francisco. Um, a team president, I'll say this, this was pre pandemic, a team president left his job and the way kind of venture capital works, right. Is like, it's kind of like harebrained schemes. Right. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, I don't want to pay for money for that. So I'll pass the buck to this guy. Hey, how about you go talk to my other friend? And then it's like, 
you know, hey, this person then has to listen to this rich guy. The team president pitched um, a virtual reality tour of Boston hosted by uh, Marky Mark. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, just weird people. Get up? <laughs> sure, sure didn't. But he was he he texted me when he came out of it because he he knew you know I've worked in football and he was like, "Have you ever talked to this guy?" Because I just had the weirdest pitch in the world. I don't want to out who who it was. Um, if you figure out you know team know. president of Boston, <laughs> yeah, you might be able to figure it out. But how how was it taking a job with the Vikings when you're a Bears fan? Yeah, no, it was pretty funny. There was um, like a questionnaire the first day we got there, and it said like, "Who is your favorite player in the NFL?" And it was at the year after we traded for Khalil Mack, so I just put Khalil Mack on there. And then I remember um, we, did, I really, I talked to Spielman like one time, but I remember like him and a couple people walked by, and someone had seen it. And were like, "Oh, you're the, you're the smart guy that put like Khalil Mack as your favorite player." Um, and I was like, it probably was something like you know, company wide email or something. I was like, yeah, that that was me. Um, but no, I mean, the thing about it, which I think is cool is like. Cause it should be, cause these people are people that have lives and it's a business. Like there's no fandom. There's no like geeking out when you see someone like you're not taking pictures or like whatever, like, which, which, you know, I think is how it should be. So you, you do kind of strip that aspect out, which I think when some people hear, they're like, Oh, you're not still it's like, no, you're still a fan. You're just not like outwardly, like, you know, talking shit at the water cooler about sports, you know, in, in the building. Right. It's like, yeah, we're, we're all having jobs and we have stressors and, you know, some of these people, like, I just have to work with day-to-day. So once you know them on a personal level, it's not, like, you know, getting freaked out. I remember the first time I met uh, Oliver Luck. Um, I was like, oh, shit, that's Oliver Luck. And then, you know, that, that starts to wear down, you know, once you're on, like, the 50th Zoom call and you're like, I'm waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning because Bob Stoops moved the XFL draft because you wanted to see the Red River, Red River rivalry. So now I have to wake up at 6 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. It's like, ah. I'm not so uh, happy to see, you know, Bob Stoops' face on the other end of the Zoom anymore. You know, that's fair though. It's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> decent excuse, and it wasn't like a family emergency or anything. It was football. He he, le- we legit set the date for the XFL draft, and Bob Stoops was like, "Here's the thing, you guys can have the draft that day. I won't be there. I'll be at the Red <laughs> River rivalry." And we're like, "Okay, all right, we'll move the damn date, Bob. We'll move the damn date." Fair enough. Um, what are you working on right now? So you work for Over the Cap. You work for PFF as a salary cap analyst. What, what do those kind of jobs entail? Because I understand, like, you know, I think people think of the cap and they don't really dig deep enough into it, if that makes sense. Like, they see cap space available, but now in the NFL, like, cap space available doesn't even really matter because there's so much restructuring that clears cap in situations like that. So what are you working on specifically? Yeah, so I would say at a high level, like, I think a lot of people think that I'm just trying to, like, suppress wages, like, across, which is not my goal at all. And, like, I understand that that perception and yes, salary cap is an artificial construct to, to, that is what it is. Like I'm not, you know, like uh, naive of that, but there is also a minimum and you also have to spend money and try to maximize efficiency of your, your allocation of resources, um, you know, to make the best team possible. So at the end of the day though, yeah, like the cap is a five-year thing. So you can, you can borrow from the future to spend now, um, which obviously the Packers have been doing a good amount of Chicago as well, really. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, and, and over at PFF right now, I'm also like, you know, focusing on free agency. I know it's a bit of ways away, but uh, we just released our top 75 free agents. So I'm doing research, both film study and also like, you know, the data and everything on, you know, projecting these contracts for these guys uh, this upcoming off season. How do you feel about the Packers cap? Because on paper, they're screwed, right? They're, they're way over the cap. They're definitely going to clear that money somehow. There's situations like, 
Zadarius Smith, right? Like Zadarius Smith is probably going to get moved next offseason. Um, he probably didn't have surgery in the summer so that he could play through this injury, uh, his back injury, um, because he's essentially in a prove it year because of the way that they moved his salary around, right? They basically turned his salary into a signing bonus um, to free up cap space, you know, immediately. But then that puts him in a position where it's like, you're probably not going to be around next year. So he's like, oh, crap, I better play out this year has a back injury and then he tries to play it week one gets uh is visibly not the same guy and then has to have surgery you know in season which is kind of an unfortunate thing um but there's only a few things the Packers can do I think on paper one of them is like you got to restructure Aaron Rodgers contract right now the reason they weren't able to do anything in season is because they basically reworked everyone's deal other than uh you know Rodgers and Devontae so if it was like there's a reason why Devontae's, you know, chirping on social media every time a guy is, you know, interested in the Packers. He's like, you can't sign that guy unless you go through me first. So let's get my deal done. And it seems like they're probably going to like franchise tag him. But like, how screwed are the Packers in, in 2022, in your opinion? I mean, it's going to be very tough. Like when you look at overthecap.com, like they are, you know, they're they're better than the Saints if you just look at the pure 2022 cap space. But like you mentioned, they've actually kind of already restructured so many deals that they actually are like arguably in a worse spot than the Saints, which is never something you want to say about, you know, your football team from a cap perspective. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it is, there are there's some big moves though. If you move on from the Smith brothers, which it sounds like is probably the way it's headed, um, you know, and then Aaron Rodgers, either you get, give him a massive extension and, and, but like shrink the cap hit, or I guess in theory you trade him, um, you know, that does kind of get you like pretty much, you know, a lot of the way there, but you still, you have Jair on the fifth year option. He's an extension. Um, it's interesting though. I, I would say that I was more worried for them coming into the year, but like you said, Zedarius hasn't played and, and now we're seeing the emergence of Rashawn Gary and, you know, Bakhtiar doesn't play. Yes, Elton Jenkins just got hurt, but I mean, they're the Packers. So they, they keep finding replacements. And I think you could probably trust that they can lose some talent. They might lose some talent, but they'll probably be all right. Yeah, a couple things of like, you know, getting Alan Lazard on like a restricted free agent tag next year. Like little things like that will definitely help the team. The, the one thing that I'm most worried about, I think they'll figure it out with Jair. I think they'll figure it out with Devontae. I think they'll figure it out with Rodgers. Like, there's enough balls in play to to kind of get those guys back in the building. You're definitely going to have to rely on, like, cheap veteran signings or, like, nailing draft picks that can play immediately to kind of fill right. out the rest of the roster. The guys that I'm worried about are the guys that they kind of got a steals this year and are, you know, going to be expiring contracts. So, like, Russell Douglas, right? Like, he's playing great. Um, at cornerback right now, I, I don't even know what the market for him is. Uh, Devondre Campbell is playing at like a depoy kind of level at inside linebacker. I don't know, how, like, how much is he going to ask for? Like, he might legitimately ask for too much that Green Bay can even pay. And it's understandable for both sides. Like, I wouldn't blame Cam- Campbell's playing out of his mind. If he wants to grab his money, like, buddy, go do it. I just don't know if Green Bay, like, literally has the resources to be able to do it in the cap structure. I'm not talking about the team, the, the cap structure. Yeah, no, it, it, it gets very tough. Like, I think those are kind of the names I'm, that you're mentioning are the ones I'm thinking about to where, like, you might have to move on from those guys and and trust that, yeah, you, you take a, th- a linebacker in the third round or something that hits. And like you said, can be maybe there's less of an upside, but he's a day one starter, which is what, you know, you're trying to focus on maximizing Aaron Rodgers last couple of years if you do keep him around. So you kind of take that trade off. Yeah, like I think he's the guy who said he should go cash out somewhere, and I don't think Green Bay is going to do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's pretty much how it looks. But I think, again, like, 
you know, they're, they're going to find a way to figure it out. They could find a couple other, you know, free agency gems. They never spend really at all. But, I mean, guys are coming available in the street, and, and they've, you know, managed to find good talent. So, um, One more question just kind of about the league in general um, before we kind of get into this matchup. How do you view, you know, the COVID era, right? It came with a restricted salary cap, basically. Like the, num- the numbers dropped in terms of how much the league was going to spread around. They said – you know, instead of having a huge drop off in 2021 because of, you know, attended like ticket sales um, from like 2020 dropping down, we'll, we'll have, you know, a, a quick lowering in 2020 and then a gradual increase, which is probably still going to hit that targeted mark um, based off of the increase that we saw, you know, released this. I think it was this past week, right? About the yep. 2022 numbers. Um, the, the target has always been like, get the cap back to like $230 million in 2023. And it seems like it's getting there, which means we still have like one more year of just kind of like eating that growth before they hit that, that cap number. But the response to that by the league has kind of been interesting, right? We're seeing teams like Tampa use these, you know, fake years um, to, to bring back veterans and stuff like that. And it's not like these players aren't going to get paid. It's just they're paid over a longer period of time years that they probably won't even be under contract with the team. Like they'll be paying it in the future, basically in terms of like the cap space, the money they're getting it immediately, but in the cap space, the other thing that we've seen is like the asset management of like the draft picks, like flipping draft picks in a way that like has tangible value in terms of dollars on the cap. That's another response that we've seen in the league. Um, is that something that you think is going to go away or cause there's two options, right? One of them is that's a response to, um, you know, the COVID structured salary cap, and it will go away once we hit, you know, or, you know, back, back to normal, basically in terms of the salary cap or two, this is a mechanic that was learned because of the necessity of the COVID salary cap. And it's just now a tool, like it is now a thing. It isn't going away. And some teams certainly have done it uh, better than others, right? Both New York teams have two first round draft picks. Um, Miami Dolphins clearly have just been like, let me eat them. Like, let me, let me eat all these draft picks. And then they spent it to kind of move up for, for Jalen Waddle. Um, but we're seeing this trend over the league. Is this something that's just like here to stay? And it's like a team by team basis on like, will they use it? Yeah. So to the first point, both awesome points. Cause those are like the things that we also like, I kind of research and look into. So um, to the first point about the void years, like before this year, it was kind of known as like, the cardinal sin of cap management was if you had to use void years to basically fit all your It was basically on only star quarterbacks, right? Like it was like Drew Brees, they used it for Roethlisberger, they used it for Brady, but it was only quarterbacks. And now it's like veteran linebackers who are 28 years old are signing these kind of contracts. It's like, okay, the, the landscape is different now. 100%. No, right. Like you said, I mean, Devondre Campbell, I think, is on like a one-year, $2 million deal, but he has like a $1 million signing bonus or maybe even more. No, no, it's probably around there. And, and yeah, so it's it, that is new and different. Not a lot of teams did it. I do think more might continue to, but I do think some teams that, that you know, we've never seen do it are, are going to stop and not want to. But like Philadelphia, New Orleans, Chicago, like they were doing that for years because they were trying to max out their spending and, and they had bullish owners. So that one, I think, will, will kind of trickle away for some teams. For the, the trading picks and, and for the money aspect, I think that we are finally starting to see this league catch up to some other leagues in terms of, like, salary dump trades in the NBA and things of that nature, like the Jared Goff trade and the Carson Wentz trade. 
both broke the record for the most dead cap left behind. And the team's like, you just, it's not cash. It's just cap space. And so you absorb it and kind of let it, you know, like work around it. I think that is like more teams are going to do that, but still, again, you're going to need like the wealthier owners that are more, you know, like win maximizers and not, you know, just profit maximizers. Yeah. That's another thing too, right? Like, so we brought up, uh, Cap spacious cat the cap is basically wage wage suppression, right? It's not really about parity. And one of the easiest ways that you can point to that is these void years, right? Where teams are able to spend a ton of money, but it's just split over multiple seasons. That no longer then becomes parity in a single season, right? That that then incentivizes teams to kind of do the we're all in type of thing. And you can now maximize like if we think this is our window, we could spend a ton of money in this window and then pay off the debt kind of in the future, at least in terms of the cap space. And I think that's probably one of the biggest um, signs that like the, the cap has never been about parity guys. It's all, it's, it's always been about owners being able to pay players less. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know because of the way that like escalating contracts work and stuff like that. And the fact that like they aren't fully guaranteed, it doesn't seem like it will be, as evident who the contenders are in the NFL as it is kind of like in the NBA where like in the NBA, you can kind of see that in the preseason. Um, I don't think it will go to that extent, but there are certainly teams like, you know, the Rams, the, the Buccaneers teams like that, that are like thinking like we're all in like right this second, that's kind of like a new mechanism and everyone isn't built like the Ted Thompson Packers were, where it was like, draft and develop, draft and develop. Like if, if it hits, it hits, but it's about sustainability. I don't think we're in a sustainability league anymore as much as we are. Like if you're going to be bad, tank out. If you're going to be good, go all in. And it's kind of making a tough spot for teams that kind of want to be in that middle sustainability ground, if that makes any sense. No, for sure. And I think it's also players like pushing back on things like the franchise tag. And so there's just less control over, you know, I mean, frankly, again, like just control over your players and and limiting their, their potential earnings and stuff like that. Like it's, you know, as guys like Le'Veon Bell like sits out, like that stuff matters. Like it makes it so for there's sure. not a guarantee you can do things like that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's going, but it's going to lead to more creativity for sure. I think it will. Um, and like, yeah, like teams, you know, salary dump trades and all these various different things, like teams are more comfortable, like you said, like, recognizing you're bad like the Texans have made a bunch of like bad trades to get rid of guys but it's like why not just take a pick and, and like keep some cap but like who cares um like yeah I think more teams are gonna start doing stuff like that the other thing that I thought was funny and this kind of goes back to the summer and really the Green Bay Packers was were kind of like a spotlight team for this but the new collective bargaining agreement right basically got rid or not didn't get rid of but strongly disincentivized holdouts right? Where, where players were able to get fined a huge amount of money. And the players have already figured out a way around it, which is basically we're holding out, but like we're reporting, like we're just hanging out on the sideline. Jamal Adams did that where he's basically in a hoodie while the team is practicing. I thought that was kind of funny as a, as a way to kind of combat some of these rules. Um, one thing I want to talk about before uh, we, we get into this game, really just kind of like an overarching theme. How happy are you as a Bears fan that Randall Cobb will not be playing against the Chicago Bears? Yeah, the guy just has a way of showing up in the worst possible moments. Uh, I mean, I no, mean, worst is a perspective. I like, work- <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I said worst is a perspective. I mean, true for true. us. For us, he's like the Bears killer. It, it's amazing. It's like he's gonna be. He's gonna catch a forty-five yard bomb across the middle with less than a minute left. It's gonna crush Bears fans. It's great. Yep, and like for some reason he's just gonna be completely unaccounted for. Like it's just yeah, it, it's. 
Uh, it's definitely tough. But, uh, you know, I, at this stage, I, I'm not going to say I was, you know, losing sleep over Randall Cobb. But I, I guess I should be, you know. <laughs> I guess it's a fair question. He's probably like the second second or third best receiver on this team right now. I think he's putting up a lot more production than Alan Lazard. Um, they aren't really getting much production out of, uh, the, you know, the rookie third-round pick, Amari Rodgers, who's just fumbling punts. Uh, Malik Taylor's more of a special teamer. Equinamia St. Brown is kind of like a special teams version of like Alan Lazard a little bit that can like kind of do some of the Amari. He's kind of like a middle ground between like all the receivers, honestly, but he doesn't get much uh, production. And then MVS has kind of been hurt a little bit. So like they've really relied on Randall Cobb, especially like on third downs. Um, LaFleur even mentioned that today when he said, you know, uh, Cobb is going to miss some time. As a Packers fan, I got to know, does Aaron Rodgers, or as a Packers owner, sorry, uh, does Aaron Rodgers own you? Does he still own you? Oh, he, uh, since the day I started following the sport until this very moment, yeah, 110%. I mean, it's not even debatable. Like, I feel like I've kind of just resigned myself to the fact, and, and I just sit here and I'm just like, like, like all last offseason, I was just like, please get traded. Please get traded. And then it's going to be the same thing again this offseason. And it's like, maybe not going to happen. I do think he's going to go to Denver. I mean, that, that could be a whole podcast in itself. But yeah, yeah he does. He does. He, he keeps me up at night. I'm like Randall Cobb. I lose sleep over Aaron Rodgers for sure. Have you, have you, so you haven't accepted that he's coming back. He's coming back. This is the penultimate dance. It's not, it's not the last dance. It's the penultimate dance. He said after the Chicago game this year, he was like, it didn't feel like my last time playing in Soldier Field. And I was like, I really wish it did, Aaron. I really wish it did. <laughs> <laughs> the Denver thing is always funny to me because like, so they're about to sell, it sounds like. But the Broncos ownership was in court for like years. Like the whole family was fighting over the team. And they hired a general manager that everyone was like, wait, he got the job? John Elway is still like hanging in the rafters somewhere. No one knows what his actual job is yet but it just seems like he's going to make a power play as soon as the new owner comes in and he's going to walk in and be like, Hey, John Elway, do you remember that? I'm the man of this town and kind of strangle some of the power from Patton. And then like, no one knows if Vic Fangio is like on the hot seat or not. It, it's a very weird situation. And I still don't understand like why Rogers would walk in there. I know a lot of people are like, well, they have this player and this player and this player and look at all these wide receivers. And I'm like, do you think the Packers are just going to trade Rodgers for nothing? Like, they're going to get those players back. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, all right, we'll, we'll uh, take it to a break, and then uh, we'll break down this game. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're back. Um 
quick question. Do they do they make all of you uh go with the underscore on the uh Twitter handle at PFF? PFF Brad. I try to think of like all the guys. Does does Deontay I think he has a, a underscore now. Seth yeah, has an underscore Lee, now. I think. No, you don't you don't have to. Like I think Trevor Sikama, who's pretty relatively new, but he doesn't have it. I, I was like new to the Twitter game at that point. So it, I was like, hey, can I make it this? Like I asked for permission. I I, I had to make sure I had like achieved a certain status to, to be able to do it. That's funny. <laughs> um, so this Packers game, it sounds like whoo boy. Um, offensive line wise, I think they should hold up pretty fine against the Chicago Bears because it seems like all your guys are banged up. I mean, this defense is in a very different spot than that first time around. I thought, you know, that first Packers-Bears game, there was a lot of optimism around this Bears defense and kind of like how – I can't say his last name. Desi? Uh, John Desai? Yeah, yeah. Desai. Um, Everyone was kind of optimistic about like how kind of varied that that defense was and how kind of confusing it was for for offensive – the offensive side of the ball – Obviously, Khalil Mack at that point had already been playing through an injury. Um, Akeem Hicks has been banged up. Um, now that linebacker, uh, Travis Gibson, is on the uh, illness list, and it seems like it's kind of running through the defense a little bit because Jalen Tabor, uh, T. Tabor, if you guys remember him out of Florida, um, got put on the illness list recently. The kind of thought was like Jalen Johnson, like breakout cornerback. Um, Kendall Vilder, you know, he's, he's quietly doing a good job. And since then, not not so much. So what's been happening in Chicago since the last time this team saw it? These teams yeah, saw Yeah, so just really quick to decide, I would say I still honestly am a fan of his, and he is, he's like a clear Vic Fangio staple, runs a ton of cover six, like does a lot of like the, the, the same things he does, a lot of zone, all that. And I think he was he was creative where he was running like a ton of stunts. He was doing a lot of different things. And yeah, they, they had talent. Um, at this point, I mean, like Travis Gibson's like a, you know, second year player. He's okay. Robert Quinn obviously has had a great year. He's having 12 sacks on the year at this point, but Akeem Hicks has been out for a long time. And then like you mentioned the secondary, like I think Kendall Vilder at a, at a time was probably the worst starting cornerback in the NFL. And that one, that did not cut, cut me by surprise at all. I guess maybe I disagree with our grades a little bit because I think they like thought he was okay. And I think Bears fans may have saw that. I watching him thought he was awful last year. So I don't know what the disconnect was there, but it's the fact yeah, they can't hold up in the back end. And so when, as soon as Mac went out and they had really one pass rusher that, that, that a team had to account for, um, I mean, you know, quarterbacks were just picking them apart because you're, you're sitting in zone, you know, cover three, cover six, you know, probably 60% of the time. Um, so it's kind of just been like dink and dunk, pick them apart. And, and pretty much anyone can do it. Even Jared Goff was doing it. Yeah. And to your point, you know, Quinn's been having a great year. He's, he's got to not do the belt. He did the belt at Rogers. It never turns out good. The, the Packers are like 15 to no whenever anyone does the belt somehow. It's just Rodgers just like gets into another mode and he's like, no, taking that back. Um, so just offensively, so like Green Bay, they're a little banged up up front, right? So like Josh Nyman is still going to be playing left tackle. He's actually been doing a pretty good job. And I think, I don't know if he's going to get a starting, like starting caliber money um, in the off season, but he's going to get some sort of money. And I know that they can like do some games with him, but like I, if, if they give him like a third round tender, like I, I, someone might pick that up, honestly, and like give him a bunch of money. Um, swing tackles are always kind of interesting because like, uh, dang, what's his name? Uh, he was in Washington for a long time, ended up in Buffalo. And then I think he's in Ty, Dallas. Ty Nseki? Yeah, Ty, Ty Nseki, where like that dude was a starting tackle who was like a swing tackle. And then he basically got paid high end swing tackle and just like never ended up getting like that crack at like a starting gig. So it's always kind of hard to see. So much of that has to do with like what coaches want, honestly, especially in free agency, as much as people want to talk about 
front offices and stuff, like people go to bat for their guys and you could see it, especially on the offensive line. There's not that many guys in the football offices who really know about offensive line. So like the pull of the offensive line coach matters a lot. So like Yash Nyman could get a starting job next year. He could come back on a tender. He could get high end swing tackle money. Like there's a lot of options for him based off of how he's played, but this offensive line's like real issue has been Royce Newman. Um, if Hicks is healthy enough to kind of take advantage of that, I think there's a match, a huge matchup issue, especially after he kind of got exposed in that Kansas City game. But offensively, I feel like the Packers can score on this defense. Like, is is there any optimism that the Bears can kind of like keep this together long enough to like keep it like a you know two three score game? So the thing is, you mentioned Akeem Hicks, and like, if I'm being honest, like he's still Akeem Hicks, but he's not he's not quite Akeem Hicks anymore. And I think he was probably the most underrated Bear for a couple seasons there and, and I do think if he's fully healthy now he's had this nagging groin issue and he finally just like was out for I don't know like four or five games now um that is that is the, the one thing I've been pointing to is like maybe that way not only do you have you know Hicks and Quinn both causing problems but yeah the interior pressure and, and, and all that but that's if that's not happening no I really don't think so because I mean at this point like Vilder got benched so you have like Artie Burns getting snaps you've got named Xavier Crawford getting oh snaps. no like, Artie yeah, Burns, oh, that his last name, very unfortunate, very it's unfortunate. Very extremely unfortunate, yeah, like the, the kicker, uh, Chris Blewett. But, yeah, and so, like, you mentioned also, this is, like, a total random thing, but, like, I mean, first, Adam Stenovich, I think, obviously, is, like, one of the best position coaches in football, but Josh Naiman, I remember when he came out, there's, I think it's Josh Norris has this stat that, like, if you place in the top X percentile in the short shuttle at tackle, there's, like, a very good chance he'd become, like, a starting caliber tackle, and he qualified for that measurement, whatever, and I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, this guy's going to be good, and he does look good. Like, yeah, he's, he's holding up fine. Not great, but, you know. Yeah, the the big thing that the Packers have done, really starting probably with the Thompson era, I, don't, I, I haven't looked into, like, Ron Wolf stuff, right, obviously. That's that's too far back for me, and I don't even know if, like, the numbers are even accurate from then, from then. but, like, the short shuttle three cone combo plus has this guy played tackle is basically how the Packers draft offensive linemen. Like they're like, have you played blindside tackle in college? Is your short shuttle like solid? Is your three cone solid? And then they just move those guys across the offensive line where you have an Elton Jenkins who can play all five positions where you have a TJ Lang, a Josh Sitton who can play, you know, guard, uh, 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 JC Treader who can play, you know, tackle or center. Like that's kind of how they've been drafting guys. It's weird that like other teams haven't caught on to that. Like the fact that they're just like, now they have gone through multiple offensive line coaches because Campen isn't there anymore. And now it's Stenovich. It's weird that they haven't realized that yet. It's why David Bakhtiari was available to them in the fourth round because people thought, Hey, David Bakhtiari, he's too small. He'll play center. Not so much. He's like the best pass blocking left tackle in, in football. Um, I, re- I remember when I watched Nyman at Virginia Tech and those movement skills were very obvious. Like, dude's a dancing bear. He's definitely got stronger, especially at the point of attack. I think, you know, in the NFL, and that happens when you've been in the league for three years and you're on a different meal plan than probably you were at, on, like, Virginia Tech and you're seeing different guys in practice than you were, you know, playing an ACC schedule. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's made tremendous uh, a tremendous growth. Um, in terms of the Bears' offense – Explain to me what, what it is, really. So they were doing the Andy Dalton stuff with Justin Fields for a while. Now it seems like Justin is able to get more, like, shot plays, which is what I think he's probably better at with the Chicago team. 
Um, David Montgomery is on the injury list with three injuries, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah. He, he returned uh, to practice as a limited participant today, so there's a good chance that he's probably going to end up playing. But this offensive line is kind of in shambles a little bit. You know, they've had a lot of weird stuff happen. Now, you know, Elijah Wilkerson is on the COVID list. Um, Tevin Jenkins was dealing with that back injury that was kind of caught them by surprise. Everyone knew he had a back issue at Oklahoma State, but this wasn't something that was caught during the draft process. This seems like it was like something that developed between the between uh, him being drafted and him being, you know, played in camp, which is really unfortunate because he's a really talented player. And then obviously, you know, you had Jason Peters at left tackle. He's basically a dinosaur. And then they released um, – what's his name? Charles Leno, like yep. right after drafting Tevin Jenkins. So it's like, you've had this like weird rotation at tackle and you have this quarterback that's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. It's like, don't we want to like try to have some sort of stability here? Like it doesn't seem like they really had a plan. It seemed like Nagy drafted Justin Fields said, all right, this year we're locked in. We don't even have to play him. We're just going to like have Andy Dalton play this season out we get the free year, we get Justin Fields, and then we'll build the team around him there. And it's like, in what world did you think Andy Dalton was going to start all 17 games and you weren't going to have to play Justin Fields? Your team isn't talented enough to do that. People were obviously going to call call for Justin Fields to get playing time. And now you just, like, look like you have an egg on your face. They're booing, they're booing you, chanting, you know, fire Nagy at uh, Chicago Bulls games. They're saying it at his kids' like high school playoff games. It's a, what a tough scene. Like, what the heck What the heck are we doing here? There were so many spots where, you, like, they, they, the plan was literally a draft pick from this year or maybe even, like, a late-round pick from the year before or a guy, a street free agent you signed, like, two weeks before. Like, like Alec Ogletree is, like, their day one, like, 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 like linebacker opposite Roquan He's been Smith. lunch I mean, for years. He's been lunch for years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like <laughs> nuts. And so that happened in a bunch of spots. And, yeah, so Jenkins, who I also love at Oklahoma State, although I – I mean, you also are going to make him start week one at left tackle. I know he played a little bit of left tackle, but not a lot. Um, but anyways, the funny answer, though, is that the offensive line coming into this game might actually be the most settled it's been in a while. I really like Larry Borum, the right tackle out of Missouri. Um, he, he's, he's been, he was incredible last week in the run game in particular. Um, he's more of kind of a pass blocker, but he, he finally looks really good in the run game. Um, and, yeah, Montgomery, I would say, too, is, is one of those guys who's a little bit different, kind of like Dalvin Cook tonight. I don't – as long as it doesn't say out, he's playing, and I think he'll get a full workload, and, like, I'm not worried about it at all. But, yeah, I, I mean, the, like you said, the offense for Andy Dalton and Justin Fields was almost the same at a certain point. They've now incorporated, you know, more rollouts, boot action, stuff like that. But they just don't have, like, a lot of talent. I, I mean, the receiving talent is not there, obviously. Robinson's been out. Allen Robinson's been out for about a month now. He, he might play in this game. But, Nevertheless, I don't expect him to move the ball consistently at all. But like you said, he does hit shot plays. You know, he he's a, he has a touchdown to check down mentality, um, which you know could could maybe. But I don't know. Your, your safeties on the back end. Our good friend Adrian Amos uh, seems to always show up for Bears games. Which credit to him because I don't think he was appreciated enough in Chicago. There were a lot of Bears fans who were chirping about Haha Clinton Dix being better than Adrian Amos when those signings happened and. I still can't believe it. Like, if you watch HaHa try to tackle people in the open field in any of those playoff games, it was it was brutal, man. Like, they're, they're so different in terms of just being able to get guys on the ground. Like, Adrian Amos legitimately plays inside linebacker, you know, in their dime looks and stuff like that. That's a totally different player than HaHa Clinton Dix playing middle of the field, taking bad angles. Like, he's a rangy type of guy, but, like, once he has to make a – like, he's good at – 
dissuading you from making the throw. He's not good at like once he has to make a play, it, it's it's over. He, he doesn't look like an NFL football player. The thing with Justin Fields that just sticks with me consistently. So he hasn't played since week 11. It sounds like he's going to play this week because Andy Dalton's got that busted hand. Uh, you know, Justin, Justin Fields is practicing uh, after coming off of that rib injury. But, okay, against Cincinnati, he came in. 13, 13 passes, not a passing touchdown, right? Okay, that's fine. His next starts, these are his touchdown uh, numbers. 0, 0, 1, 1, 0, 1, 1, 0. One passing, like a half passing touchdown average every game isn't going to get it done. What, what can they do to get points on the board, point blank period? Like that's the big question I have. Uh, no, I mean, it's obviously a very fair question. I would say that like I, I have the Trubisky experience, so I don't think I'm being irrational when I say this. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers game inspired a ton of confidence in me and that he can – like when the shot plays aren't there, he can also find intermediate balls and and move the ball consistently against like an above average or good defense. I, I really think it was just a comedy of errors. Like the first couple starts, I mean, the offensive line was was a joke. And then, you know, the weapons, are, but long story short, it, it's just like, it's execution. Like it's not even, I'm not even trying to dodge the question or like not have a good answer from a, a scheme perspective. It's like this team still, even though Nagy is not even calling plays, is lining up in the wrong spot. You can tell when you walk, like you go back and watch the week after, like, Guys are not in the right place or they're running the wrong routes or they're getting pre-snap penalties. Like it's like end of the day, like sometimes football is just like being in the right place at the right time. It's not like some magical answer to run a different, you know, scheme or personnel or or whatever the case may be. That's fair. I I actually watched the end of that Chicago Pittsburgh game at a concert. I was in the Moda center. Uh, My girlfriend wanted to go see Harry Styles. I was like, okay, why not? It's a it's a Bears Steelers game. Like I I don't need to watch this. Then I, my phone blows up because it's all these people. Because I I was like, I guess you would say Justin Fields like apologist. I I guess is the right way to say it. Because there are a ton of people right who want to jump on this rookie quarterback class and say, you overhyped it. Look, all you said these guys were all generational. You said this was the best quarterback class ever, and none of them can play. Like Mac Jones threw f- three passing uh, pass attempts last week, and he's the best quarterback in this class. So my phone's blowing up like. This is your boy, Justin Fields. This is your boy. And then it's a lot of replies of like, never mind. And I'm like, what do you mean, never mind? They're like, Justin Fields is making some throws right now. I'm like, all right, let me tune this in. So I, I boot up YouTube TV on my damn iPhone and I'm watching it at this concert. He's making some plays. And that's the big thing that like keeps me positive for like Justin Fields progression moving forward is there's so many passes that he makes that you cannot fake. Like they don't happen by accident. It's perfect ball placement on deep shots. That's the most valuable thing that you can get out of a quarterback in the NFL. And I think the consistency certainly isn't there right now, but if he keeps getting reps, he's probably going to get there. And it should be kind of assumed. If you look at the trajectory of rookie quarterbacks, when they play, even getting a league average guy as a rookie quarterback is like, you're hitting like top 20 percentile of results for rookie quarterbacks. Like it, it doesn't surprise me that Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, um Trevor uh Lawrence are all struggling right now that's what rookie quarterbacks do so I'm I'm not close to kind of jumping off the uh Justin Fields train right now it's just kind of unfortunate that he had that big moment against Pittsburgh they didn't close it at the end it's a bye week they play Baltimore and now he's hurt so it's like he's seen 11 pass attempts since that game and that game happened a month ago over a month ago now a month and a day 
which is like, what a bummer. He had a great moment. They were this close to winning that damn game. He played his best game of his NFL career so far. And since then, he's had, you know, 11 pass attempts over the last, like, 31 days. Yeah, I think the, the, like, the momentum would have been huge, too. Because, like, not to fully absolve him. Like, his, his average time to throw is, like, 3.2 seconds. Like, it's way too long. Even if you take away play action, it's still, like, by far the longest in the NFL. And and also, I mean, his, his average at the target is, like, over 10 yards, which is awesome. I love it. Trubisky's was, like, 4.6 yards, and it was it was a nightmare. So, like, I respect that he's taking shots. But I think his his processing is definitely speeding up. He's also just taking what the defense gives him. He's hitting the guy underneath on the, the 10 hitch route. You know, every hit, every snap, there's at least a couple of hitch routes out there. Um, like he, he, but he, but he's like, he's, he's accepting what is, what is actually open and not trying to score a touchdown on every single play, which, which is obviously good to see. And that, that learning curve is so important. And I think like people kind of do discount that a little bit in terms of the progression of the quarterback, like the way these guys are learning, and at the college level versus what they're having to ask to do at the NFL level is pretty crazy. Like look at, so let's just use Ohio state, two examples of Ohio state, one on offense, one on defense is an example of how big the jump is from college to the NFL. Ohio state runs through the big 10, basically playing cover one and cover three, which is nuts. We saw it in the sec champion or not the sec championship game, the playoff game last year where they're asking tough Borland, you know, Three up is three, right? So he, he's getting, you know, Alabama first-round picks on crossers, and they're asking this linebacker who runs a five-second 40 to cover those plays. It's different in the NFL. Like, you're seeing different stuff. The other example would be um, – I heard this story about Braxton Miller. I think this was during XFL stuff. I think we were trying to get him in the room somehow. I can't remember. But I had heard a story about Braxton Miller where – um, in the pre-draft process, because Braxton, obviously, you know, he played quarterback before he played wide receiver at Ohio State and was replaced by JT Barrett, who, you know, wasn't very talented, but was very consistent um, for them, which is kind of the decision that they made. But before that, I think he had won two or three um, Big Ten Player of the Year awards, like at, at quarterback before he moved to wide receiver. They got him on the whiteboard, uh, I guess, like during the combine. And one of the guys drew up like a two high shell, right, defensively. And they were like, all right, so what do you run against this? He wipes, you know, the safeties off and puts, you know, one safety in the middle of the field, and draws down a drop down safety. And they're like, no, 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 added like too high. And he goes, we don't throw against too high. Like, that's what it is. Like Urban, yeah, Ur- yeah. Urban's thing was always like, if you're in zero, we're going to option you or we're going to take a shot play. If you're in single high, we're going to throw against you. If you're in too high, we're going to run against you. And it works when you have Ohio State's players playing against other, you know, Purdue and Northwestern and teams like that. Whereas, like, in the NFL, you have to have an answer for passing against too high because teams will just sit in it, especially right now in this era of the NFL where teams are getting into too high more than that. So, and I understand, you know, Justin wasn't really coached by Urban. He was coached by Ryan Day, but they, they come from the same tree, right? So that's just kind of an example of, like, how big the jump is. Like, it's a different world playing college football, especially when you have that much talent around you than playing in the NFL. Um, This line is at, I believe it's at 12 and a half. It was 11 and a half. And then it moved up a point after the bears game on Sunday, Um, which I don't know if that even makes sense because Andy Dalton's not going to be out there, but um, what's your thought on that line? Yeah, I already have money on Packers minus 12 and a half. So, (laughs) and I know it's, it's a divisional game and, 
they tend to they tend to skew closer and, and yes like i'm sure there's gonna be a max effort and all that but i really think this is gonna be like a like stomp on their throat like coming off a bye in green bay uh you know i guess you're not getting maybe getting jayer back but not getting bakhtiar and darius but regardless like I think this could be like an absolute blowout. Yeah, Jair, um, I guess we could touch on that a little bit. Jair was uh, practicing the last two days. I'm, we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, he hasn't been moved off the list, which I think is like the big thing that you want to yeah. see if, if he's going to play. So I don't think he is going to play, but still to this point, like Justin, so Justin Fields starts six points, 24 points, 20 points, 14 points, three points, 22 points, 27 points, 13 points. Not a lot of points. So if the Packers are going to score, as long as Randall Cobb isn't like what made the cog go in Green Bay, they should be able to score a bunch of points and they should be in a position where they can cover. I don't know if they will, but they can. That line is too high for me to touch personally, um, just because of like end game situations. I, I don't know how how hard Green Bay wants to play after a bye when they're already all banged up and stuff like that. But, oh, uh, man. It, it's tough. So, so what do you, how do you see this bears team moving forward? Like this off season, what do you want to see the bears do? Yeah. So I, I would say they actually had a pretty decent draft and it kind of changed. Well, obviously Justin Fields, but if potentially you saw both tackle spots with, with Jenkins, we'll see if he even plays um, and, and Larry Borman, right tackle, you know, I think you probably re-signed James Daniels, who's a free agent, but I, I think has been really good this probably the last two years, honestly. Um, and is 24 years old uh, as a free agent because he was like a like a 20 year old draft pick. So, and also he played center, left guard. Now he's finally been a right guard for a full season, um, and I think he's finally playing like they expected him to. So, I think the offensive line is is honestly fine, which sounds crazy, um, but. You, you have to add, I, I think, at least one, if not two, pass catchers, whether that's a, a true U tight end, because I think Komet, if you're being honest with yourself, is an inline guy that can yeah. make the occasional catch and get some, like, rumble-stumble yards after the catch. But he is not, like, a sufficient U tight end, um, and I think that would go a long way in this offense. Um, and, and Jimmy Graham, you know, your, your, good, your good pal Jimmy Graham is, is not cutting it these days. Um, yeah, and then now, I he think, wasn't cutting it a half decade ago, bud. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and then I think you do let Allen Robinson walk, but I, as much as I love Darnell Mooney, which is a ton, I don't know if he's a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Like I think he's a a, a high end number two. Um, so yeah, so I, I focus all on offense, and then on defense, like I accept if maybe I'm pretty bad next year. Like I'm not. I love Akeem Hicks; he's probably my favorite Bear of the last five years. But like, you're not resigning him. I'm not going to get drastic and like trade Khalil Mack or anything, but like maybe look to trade or cut Robert Quinn. I know he's having a great year, but there's just like so much they have to do to fill out the rest of this roster. And they don't have a lot of resources, obviously no first, no fourth, um, not a lot of cap space, you know, and so on and so forth. So I just kind of like fix the offense, be comfortable going six and 11 next year. If Justin Fields looks good and, and you improve on that side of the ball and then target his third year is when you like actually try to be a competitive roster again. What do you think the odds are that Nagy can keep his job? Is there any chance? Is there any zero. chance? Nagy, Nagy is zero. Nagy zero. That's he's he's like he's good I, for them. Yeah. No. He he's there's no way. I know. I know the Bears are doing that thing where they're like, we've never cut a coach in season, so we we don't want to do it. The Packers were the same way, and then McCarthy lost at home to Cliff King or not Cliff Kingsbury to uh, that Vance Joseph uh, Josh Rosen team. And they were like, we get out of here. You, you got, you got to go, bud. Pack your bags. Um, yeah. So let the people know uh, where they can find you. Plug all your stuff. 
Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, as you said, at PFF underscore Brad, uh, and obviously putting uh, content out at PFF.com. Um, and then also, yeah, if, if you ever have any questions or, or anything like that about contracts and the salary cap, um, and overthecap.com is a great resource for that as well. Awesome, man. Thanks for the time. Maybe we'll uh, have you on after Roger signs his next deal next offseason. Oh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs>